0: Hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Jovin, and you are listening to Time to Talk, a podcast for caregivers. This podcast is dedicated to helping family caregivers in Ontario. Through expert tips and resources, you will gain knowledge and validation for the ups and downs that come with caregiving. More importantly, you'll learn that you're not alone. It's so important to take this time for yourself. We're glad you're here. Today, we have teamed up with system navigator and caregiver Suzanne McKenna to discuss how to cope with fear, how to bounce forward, and Suzanne's own personal caregiver journey. Suzanne is a long-term caregiver for her son, who has a severe traumatic brain injury due to an accident at the age of 17. She has experienced the stresses that caregivers face when navigating the healthcare system, community, and education systems, and we are so appreciative to Suzanne for being here with us today. Thank you, and welcome.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Oh, I must admit, when I was preparing for this podcast, many emotions were stirred, grief, fear, extreme fatigue, even some tears, but remembering all the stages of this perpetual journey of true caregiving. In return though, speaking about my journey always provides some healing. I've been looking forward to being able to share with others my insights and experience caregiving for my son now over 14 years for both his physical and cognitive needs. But my ultimate goal today is that you and many others can learn something from me today. Thank you,
0: Michelle, again. Oh, thank you. And we're certainly hoping that our listeners will do that. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. We wanted to create a space where Ontario caregivers could connect and share. And hopefully through our conversation today, we can all gain a little bit more insight into the special role and responsibility of a caregiver. So I want to start out with this question. Suzanne, you have worked as a system navigator for acquired brain injury for 10 years now. Could you please share your story and how that particular journey began?
1: Michelle, I was excited to talk about this because it was just, it was an incredible, and I have to say, it was a miraculous journey indeed. You ready for this? Okay. (laughs) So um, it was four years post my son's catastrophic traumatic brain injury. And remember 24 hour caregiving, relentless grieving. When I receive a call from a good friend saying, Suzanne, there's a job posting here at the Champlain Lynn where she was employed. And I think it's a perfect job for you. So I thought, what have I got to lose? I can't lose any more than I already had. I, I worked on my resume. Submitted it, and then to my surprise, I received a call for the interview. The interview was incredible. Like I always think back, and I just I just can't believe. You know, you're you're just in such grief, and you're such you're so vulnerable that it doesn't matter what you say. You just kind of well, it does, but it, anyway. So I just spilled out all my lived knowledge of acquired brain injury, including resources and revealing the results of my continual navigation of our healthcare system supports and services that they were surprised and not even aware existed. I was able to elaborate beyond the questions asked, got the job and began creating. It's a brand new position. So I had to create this new position. This was a sector of healthcare that had many gaps and that needed work on. That was the whole reason that the system, this ABI system navigator, ABI being acquired brain injury was created so what does my son say you got this job because of me mom and I said yeah but to myself I said oh I wish I could turn that clock back to make all this not happen
0: please describe for us for for people that might not be familiar yet um the role of a Lin system navigator and then maybe more specific to acquired brain injury like your experience
1: so I'll refer to ABI as acquired brain injury, just uh, saves a lot of words. So the system, the ABI system navigator um, not only helps the survivor, but it equally and more importantly, uh, it their caregivers. And as the navigator, it's important to make caregivers um, aware of all the resources that are available and understand. And the process of caregiving for someone with a brain injury, it's not the same. And anyways, with my lived experience, I can totally get it. And it was just awesome to, it's awesome feedback when you could feel the caregivers almost instantaneously feel the support they desperately need because it is truly isolating. Providing them with the tools on how to understand and manage changes after a brain injury, especially behaviors. The impact to relationships and family and the challenges and strategies that you need to learn to use for caregivers are key. So ultimately, a major role of the ABI system navigator is to provide the much needed education. I'm going to talk about education a lot today, and awareness to not only help help the healthcare team, but the caregivers as well. Ensuring that the ABI navigator's contact information is is provided right upon discharge from the hospital. It's it's so important. Um, It's crucial in order to provide that support along for the caregiver and the survivor through their journey, because the journey is long. It feels like an eternity. This support is so valuable as their needs and supports change as the brain continues to heal. And Michelle, I have to tell you that The plasticity of the brain is amazing. This is the miraculous part of this. 14 years post-injury, and my son is still makes gains.
0: That's incredible. And it's incredible that you are this resource that is available or that you have been in in your work life uh, for other caregivers, because the sense that I have gotten, uh, the more I speak to people in, in the realm of caregiving, is that initially there is so much to learn. The uh, the learning curve is very steep. It can be confusing and as you mentioned, isolating right at the very beginning. Um, So it's wonderful to know that there are these resources out there and, and people in positions such as yours. But the question is, how can someone that is new to caregiving or perhaps not so new and just realizes this is a potential for them, how can caregivers go about finding a system navigator in their area to help them literally navigate this course?
1: That's a really good question, Michelle. Um, and remember, we're talking about ABI, system navigators. Navigators have, are, there's navigators for other sectors too. Like mm-hmm. it actually, it's kind of a, a new uh, word now, being a navigator, they're more and more common. They started in the States as a cancer, like cancer, they have navigators now and Navigating our healthcare system is hard enough for myself, and I'm a navigator. Let alone someone that doesn't even is not, you know, literate with the healthcare system. So, um, so as a caregivers for loved ones with a brain injury, should first be connected and be a member of the Ontario Brain Injury Association on day one of their caregiving journey, and then subsequently to their local brain injury association. For example, in Ottawa. It's the Brain Injury Association of the Ottawa Valley. The helpline found on the Ontario Brain Injury um, Association website can direct them to their region's ABI system navigator and other resources and supports. And there's like just a wealth of resources. And it's a great start when you're just starting this journey. And forever, because there's online caregiver support groups, there's peer support group programs for the actual survivor, and the biggest and i'm going to talk about it again vital education on caregiving after brain injury so it's a great resource
0: and you're helping people just put the pieces of the puzzle together and put one foot in front of the other in terms of the journey that they need to go on and the resources that they need to connect to um and i think that's wonderful if you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed in your caregiving journey you're not alone. The Ontario Caregiver Organization collaborates with caregivers, health care providers, and other organizations to provide support and resources to caregivers across the province. Because caregivers need support too. By providing one point of access to information, caregivers can get everything they need to be successful in their role. Our goal is to decrease caregiver burnout and improve the caregiving experience. Learn more about us at ontariocaregiver.ca. All caregivers will share some of the same experiences, but, uh, you know, we're speaking uh, about your experiences today. So what are some specific experiences or uh, pieces of knowledge that are specific to caring for loved ones with brain injuries?
1: Another great question, Michelle. It's no doubt a very different experience, caregiving for your loved one with a brain injury. First of all, your life changes in an instant and forever. Nothing, get the Kleenex out. <laughs> Nothing has ever threatened me like the blunt force of seeing my son strong and healthy one moment and lying near death next. Add to that day after day of waiting to see if he would live or die, the slow grinding recovery, and then the dawning realization that he was irreversibly changed. There's no prior experience and no preparation in caregiving for someone with a brain injury. It's a full-time position. Learning is on the job training. The most common challenge caregivers experience during during caring for their loved one with a brain injury is, is the behaviors you're just not prepared for that because their brain is so mushed up from the injury initially um, that there's, it's like brain overload. Everything is, they're overstimulated so easily. The lights, the noise, two or three people talking at once. So there's anger outbursts that just come out of the blue that you're not even prepared for. And then the depression And then there's inappropriate social behaviors and anxiety, which are all prominent for individuals with brain injury. Um, The person you had before doesn't exist, no longer exists. So the grief for the caregiver and as a mother, it's overwhelming. You're grieving the loss of your son, but but he's living. There's no closure, he's right there. He's with you every day. So I kept remembering him. Before, my, before the accident, I can remember him coming in and oh, I just was, you know, the big man on campus. They don't say that anymore. That ages me. Anyways, I almost had to develop a new relationship with this new person. But you, but you have to, like you said, Michelle, you put one foot in front of the other. There's a song about that. But you have no choice. You have to be strong, provide the care. And remember, you're providing care for both cognitive and physical impairments. It's an injury that affects everything. And I have to stress that your brain, and we know that, but just remind yourself, the brain is the computer of your whole being. So my son's speech, vision, executive functioning, mobility, he couldn't even eat and drink, and more were all affected. You're raising a toddler again. You're starting from scratch. But the good news is he keeps taking small milestones and getting better. I hope that answers your question. It's a tough one,
0: though. It, it, and we appreciate how difficult that is. And, um, and for you to share all of that, and I have no doubt that there are listeners that are finding themselves perhaps in the beginning of that journey that will also really appreciate you sharing that and being so candid. You have said at times caregiving can be incredibly tiring and, and, and an isolating experience. And I think most caregivers, whether they're dealing with ABI or something else, can relate to this. Can you share some of the challenges you've faced and how you perhaps feel you may have overcome them?
1: Well, the day my son's accident and onward for the first few months, there was like All these casseroles drop off at our door the flowers there were offers of help snow removal the list went on but and the generosity was just overwhelming you have to remember my son was in the hospital for 11 months Hmm. the number one challenge. and but then as time passes people withdraw and life goes on right um, and I'm going to say it again, the number one challenge is the lack of knowledge and understanding of acquired brain injury among the public, family, and friends. Nobody gets it very, very, unless they've gone through it themselves. Being a caregiver to someone with a brain injury, it's a daunting experience not dealing with not only the physical impairment, but more importantly, the cognitive changes. And if we were not prepared for what to expect, how can friends and family understand? So, and you must understand that my son was no longer, like I said, the same person he was before his injury. He was cognitively inappropriate. Some feel some people don't feel very comfortable being or sharing this journey. It was the lifelong commitment for ourselves, my husband and I definitely was no freedom fifty five. I've heard of that before. <laughs> overcome, how did I overcome that? Um, one of the things when Justin was discharged from the hospital, They um, they did um, send a staff to the school. I insisted that he go back to school, even though he was in a wheelchair, couldn't even lift his head. Um, There was so much, and you know this the like I said, this great looking guy, uh, you know, competitive hockey player, competitive rugby, competitive all these things, and and he's going back to school to see his teachers and his friends. And so they they came in, a staff from the hospital, which was great, very accommodating. So and that answers your question about trying to overcome is providing education to the actual teachers and the students. And then I followed up as a, as a mother, I'm gonna call myself mother bear because you just do everything you can. I followed up after that because it's not just a one-time education. I'd send um, you know, a ma- an email to the teachers, that were applicable to just to my son and then um, uh, emails on short little little quotes or not quotes, but little excerpts from uh, ABI education about what to expect from someone with a brain injury, you know, the loss of concentration, the outbursts, et cetera. So uh, and then that's how I sort of ABI, so the ABI education pertinent to the classroom, which was um, which was very effective, so that was good. And then another thing that was—it's very challenging—is going out, as my son cannot be left unattended. Uh, attended, and social life is non-existent. Finding trained staff with the knowledge of acquired brain injury is very difficult, and so this lack of training results in staff leaving. Again, a roller coaster of emotions and fatigue with lack of help. And um, as um, a caregiver, I was digging for resources, joining Facebook groups. Again, providing education, which puts more burden on the caregiver, but there was no choice. That's that's what I had to do. And so and you're also dealing with cognitive issues of perseveration. Maybe you don't know that that's repeating and repeating mm-hmm. and repeating yourself. And that's just because he can't remember what he said five minutes ago. So he's just repeating it. It's, it takes a lot of patience. Confabulation, where confabulation is just making up strange stories that don't make sense but that's just his brain trying to sort itself out and and a big factor is lack of insight you know he wants a normal life he wants a wife and children and like the siblings creates this creates such anguish and remorse for him so he as a caregiver you suffer along with your son for his losses and um, but to overcome those things you have to provide their strategies you know Uh, changing the subject and trying to get them into another subject there's again you have to learn about ABI and and learn about the strategies that are in place for 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 caregivers to help with this type of thing so and then I would say another challenge and which is really difficult with people with caring for a loved one with a brain injury is dealing with outbursts and the outbursts usually come in family gatherings, and that's so unfortunate because I have lots of grandchildren. But you know what? It's amazing. The, the outbursts come because there's it's just so much noise. There's so much noise. Everyone's talking. The lights, and then there's and then and then the kids are running around making noise. But you know, it's amazing how you can speak to these children to me. Um, your these children will learn so much from this in a positive way, because I explain to them and say that they're from one year to 11 years old, and there's eight of them. And, and you can teach them and just say, you know what, um, your uncle Justin just, you know, he had, he hurt his head and he had a brain injury. So when there's lots of noise, it just, you know, his brain just kind of explodes and he gets mad, but you know, he doesn't mean it that sort of thing you just sort of explain it and it's amazing how they just oh yeah that's fine then they just run around and go downstairs and play downstairs again again the strategies where you you can you can try to uh, accommodate the accommodations are key and we've all learned that and we've all been fine with it you know it's just part of the package and, and we're okay but the learning skills these kids will learn from this
0: Oh, so another yeah. challenge, oh, go ahead, Michelle. No, oh, I was saying their capacity to sort of understand and adapt is quite remarkable. So It is, so it great. is.
1: If they're adapting to COVID, this is nothing. So, and then <laughs> financially, um, that's a huge challenge. And that's that's another sectors as well, because we, we think of now and for the future, because as aging parents, our biggest fear is housing for our son with the 24-hour care that he requires and the only co- option right now is long-term care, um, and which is inappropriate housing, and it's a, it's a huge concern. So overcome, how do you overcome that? That's a tough one. He's on wait lists, which are 20 years long, like there, there is a, a real gap there, which is as an ABI system navigator is what we are still working on.
0: Given all of that, how do you decompress and de-stress and self-care is such a, you know, a buzz term, but it, it, it is important. I don't think it's anything new. I think it's just been packaged differently, but is this something that you do get to make time for? And, and what would you say about that? Well, Michelle,
1: it took me many years to figure this out, but in my defense at the beginning of the caregiving journey, it was like horrendous. like It was crazy. The world of brain injury was totally unknown to me. Planning, scheduling, hiring staff, finding resources in any capacity, both financial and staff support, seemed limitless. And you have to realize that through all this, there's this constant grieving over the loss of your loved one, of who he was, right? And now a different person. You're just always desperately seeking the old person or son you had. But when I realized it was affecting my health, I clamped down. To remove some of those barriers that were preventing me to take time for for self-care and you know self-care self-care it's such a word but you know what when it when you're down to the last and the bottom of the barrel you have to do it so i do daily exercise i did it this morning i do it every morning because the physical activity at the same time each day creates a routine that's harder to break right and that's for everyone and that's worked for me so first thing in the morning where my son's morning care is done by my husband, I can do that. So I've slotted that time and my husband knows oh, she's going to do her workout. So that's good. At night, I, you know, fatigue and sleep are important that we get our proper sleep. So I read, I read a lot. I, I always have a good book on hand. And that just gives me, takes me into another world and, and less ruminating on on my son, on and, and um, who you think about constantly. So that reduces stress. And like I said, helps me to fall asleep. And uh, another thing that I do is um, when I have, I slot some time sometimes, is go immerse myself in a puzzle. I know it's usually like odd, but the puzzle, it gives me sort of a sense of peace. Like i just kind of, again, I'm sort of immersed in this puzzle. I can't think about my son. Like I'm just going to do this. And you feel like you can get quite... Uh, yeah, anyways, I, I do that. And then um, <clears throat> I would say the most important self-care is finding humor. You have to laugh. It's like an instant track, tranquilizer. So if you can surround yourself with positive people, everybody wants that. They want to surround themselves with, because negativity only takes valuable energy away. And as a caregiver, you can't afford a snippet of, of energy. You, you need it. And one other thing I love to do, and I I don't do it every day. I do my exercising every day, but but I'm going outdoors. Outdoors is so important, and walking, especially in the woods. And we live in a rural area, the fresh air in the woods. And I'll quote something someone told me, "To, to walk in nature is to witness a thousand miracles, and it is so true. So that's what I do.
0: Young people across Ontario are caring for loved ones while trying to manage the stresses of work, school, and life. If you're a young caregiver looking for support, the Ontario Caregiver Organization offers Young Caregivers Connect. Through Young Caregivers Connect, you can get the support you need. Join a live chat and share stories with other young caregivers. You are not alone. Join the community at youngcaregiversconnect.ca. So you've touched on uh, your family a little bit, and it sounds like you have um, a a lovely big extended family. How has caregiving impacted your relationship with family and with friends? And has it made you closer? Have you found some challenges there? Um, Well, the day
1: my son had his tragic accident and received the diagnosis of a traumatic brain injury, obviously the impact was huge. The trauma experience was not only for my son but also for family and friends. Being a primary caregiver for someone with a long-term injury such as a brain injury can take a toll on on your physical and mental health and well-being uh, as you know. so you have to be committed to running this marathon. So running this marathon doesn't have to, it doesn't leave you much time for maintaining friends or establishing new friends. and the friends you had may have jumped, I call it, they've jumped the raft, because <laughs> not every, many would be fearful. Some of them are fearful of this overwhelming experience. And so as a caregiver, um, with this incredible brand new role just suddenly sprung upon us, I was consumed with leaving no stones unturned for the better care and never ending rehabilitation of my son. And do friends really wanna have the topic of conversation be about our ongoing struggles of caregiving? <laughs> Obviously not. So it's a, it's inevitable that you're isolated. Like it's this isn't the broken leg recovery is a defined period of time. This is an acquired brain injury and a lifetime of rehabilitation and recovery. And there's a quote. My son is is taking a course as well, um, a university course, and and I just it, on ethics and disability. And um, David says that that there is a fear embedded in our culture of, of suffering caused by the body and the imbi- inability to control the body. It is despised, pitied, and above all, feared. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's, an, it's a subconscious feeling that they're not even really aware of. So um, in order, so I guess friends are, are it's a new type of friends. You start developing new friends through caregiver support groups. And as far as my family, oh, I'm so grateful with the relationship I have with my immediate family. We have gone through some really extremely uh, difficult and uncertain times, but we stick with it. And I'm grateful that my son reminds me of the importance of family and for his siblings and their growth and understanding. I have to say that his siblings have learned more than some people ever learn in a lifetime.
0: You are an advocate for patients and for caregivers. What do you wish people knew about caregiving for a loved one with a brain injury?
1: I wish people knew that the human brain takes a really long time to heal with trauma. And so it follows that caring for a loved one with a brain injury can feel like an eternity. Like I said before, you're basically taking care of a toddler again, relearning everything from eating talking social skills to walking and on top of that outcomes from a traumatic brain injury are largely unpredictable so or, odd symptoms come and go personalities roles and relationships change and stress can mount with each passing day ultimately you will end up I when I came home from the hospital with my son if you feel like you're the therapist as well as being the caregiver but they do make improvements and you'll see plateaus and all of a sudden you'll see improvements again and then plateaus. So you shouldn't get discouraged and think, oh my God, everything's gone, gone again. You, but you have to take a couple of steps backward and then, and then eventually make some more steps forward. So needless to say, caregiving for someone with a brain injury is hard work and, obvious, and respite breaks are needed. So I made myself, I'm not sure if this Totally goes to the question, but I made myself uh, some reasons that I'm grateful for living with a brain injury. And that was hard because uh, how can you be grateful for that? But um, I have resilience. Caregivers need to learn to bounce forward instead of bouncing back. You have to understand the changes that resulted from their traumatic brain injury, how to improve recovery, goal setting, problem solving skills new ways to manage stress and emotions that it's, and you have to maintain a positive outlook. I know that's a big list. So I've learned to get up in the morning, dust off and do it again. It's just the way it is. So many times I exercise this resilience with situations related to my son's injury, but this resilience, you know, keeps, it it, it benefits me in other parts of life. So, and as far as the gratefulness, again, of my career, never in the world did I see myself as being a system navigator for an acquired brain injury and advocate or a public speaker. I've tried to learn about and share what has helped me cope with, live through and accept so I can help others. So yeah, those are the things that we need to caregiving for someone with a brain injury is a big package.
0: It is, and, and you've given us a lot of great information so far in our conversation in regards to that but was there something that you would characterize as the best piece of advice that you received since becoming a caregiver for someone uh, with ABI and do you perhaps have any advice for someone who is new to caregiving
1: good for you that was such a good question too and my son he was hospitalized like I said for 11 months after his injury so um you can't help but develop relationships with a multitude of therapists. But I can remember one physiotherapist telling me at the hospital before discharge, she said, you will feel like you're on a treadmill, that you can't get off. Accept help. You need to take care of yourself to take care of your son. If people offer to help, accept the help. That's what she said. I would say that was the best advice. but. Unfortunately, at the beginning, I was just so extremely busy attending to my son's universal needs that I didn't or I forgot to take that advice at the time. But I am now. And as a veteran, I would say I'm a veteran caregiver and learning from suffering the consequences. I'm proud of myself as I actually asked for help. An example, one time when we we, um, our church community is very supportive as well. And uh, a friend at our church said to me, he says, oh, I'm retired. I said, oh, so congratulations, uh, Jimmy. And I, uh, I approached him after and I said, how would you like to do something very enriching? So I really fluffed it up <laughs> and be added to a driving roster, taking turns driving my son to his therapies once per month. So we had like a whole driving roster and I would, of uh, people so that, uh, that would volunteer and voila, all this help received. So it was um, that was an example and it worked. So you do have to accept the help and also it's okay to ask. It's okay to ask. So, um, and the advice that I've learned on my journey also are you have to, like I said before, surround yourself with positive people because you can't afford to, to waste any valuable energy on the negative live for the day, don't give too much thought to tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. And I think that applies to everyone, even not caregiving. You'll only drive yourself crazy. You may have a different kind of life than what you're used to, but which is, you know, what you didn't sign up for, but by understanding how to care for yourself and your loved one, it can be a wonderful life. And finally, I have a mantra, discover your mantra. Mine is, let it go. Let go. Let God.
0: That is all fantastic advice, and we appreciate it. And also your emphasis on education for anyone that is new to this journey, because I know that there's just a lot of information to sort out. So um, we are thankful for you joining us today, Suzanne, and for all of your insight. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Oh, that's a pleasure. Thank you, Michelle.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can access more details about support services on our website, ontariocaregiver.ca. Until next time, I'm Michelle Jobin, and you have been listening to Time to Talk, a podcast for caregivers. We hope you have a wonderful day.